0: All right, so today I'm really excited about our guest because he is a wealth of information mm-hmm. on all things wellness from uh-huh. cold plunging to gut health to urine. step count to urine. Come on, yes. man, let's
1: just cut right to it. By yeah. the end of this podcast, people are going to want to pee on a rag and wipe it on their face.
0: Yes, it's so true. Man, and we go all over the place in this episode, but the the overlying theme is wellness. We really yeah. dive deep into diet strategy and nutrition and we do touch on urine, yes. And we talk about sunbathing your balls. We did talk about sunbathing
1: <laughs> your genitals. So, you do, like, if you don't have balls, you can you can still throw them in the sun, and uh, there's some there's some benefits
0: to it. Dude, we come out of the gates hot on this one. It is the truth. <laughs>
1: yes. My favorite conversation is around why fake butter is bad, and uh, by the end of this conversation, I'm telling you that I am going home. I'm gonna dump out all my canola oil. I'm never going to use it again. And because he won me over, he won yeah. me over on why it's such a bad deal.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of discussion around these seed oils. And so here's the thing it's, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm going to start sticking with my olive avocado coconut. Yeah, I that's think. what he recommends. You can't get wrong there. Yeah.
1: All right. So enjoy the podcast. It's the I Needed That with Metabolic Mike. You ready?
0: I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. go.
1: I needed need that.
0: I'm
2: down for that. Let's I think go. That's
0: cool
2: by Matthew Blades is available on all streaming platforms everybody. Again
0: we're talking with Rachel from season five of my show. If you're looking for anything in return when it comes to forgiveness then you're not truly forgiving deep down inside.
2: Now we're doing the research to see is it the chicken or the egg is it the hot flashes causing it or is it you know you're just having hot flashes because you're higher risk for these other things because you have poor blood flow.
1: Well, welcome, everybody, to uh, the I Needed That podcast.
0: I'm Matthew Blades. And I am Chris Powell. You are Chris Powell. I am Chris Powell. Look just like the guy on Instagram. (laughs) Uh With a little raspiness in the throat. Why? Actually. I don't know. I just had to clear it really quick. But it sounded kind of cool right off the bat. Do you wish you had a raspy voice like a Clint Eastwood or something like that? Dude, the best is like when you're just starting to get sick and you get get that James Earl Jones voice. You know that really
1: deep. You don't have to get sick to do that. You can actually just dehydrate yourself a little bit and you'll get that too. Okay.
0: well, (laughs) True. Fair enough. Neither one I recommend, but you know, all good, man.
1: Well, listen, we're going to go toe-to-toe today with a dude named Metabolic Mike. We're going to get to him in just a couple of seconds, a couple of quick shout outs uh, from some of our listeners on the i needed that podcast we've been asking you every single week to leave us reviews and five stars and all of the things and i have to say hi to moringa she says quote i got so many great comments because i'm addicted to this podcast i'm from south africa and every monday i count down the hours until monday to get to this show so helpful in so many areas thank you so much
0: She also says, she makes a comment about the Baby Shark song from from the last show. Yes. Sorry about that. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, we can't talk that song because we're going to be humming it for the rest of the day. And a quick shout out to Renee, too. Renee, here we go. She says, another great podcast. I love how you guys make each episode so relatable to anyone who is listening. I look forward to it every week. Thank you so much, Renee. Yeah. I love getting these comments, guys. Thank you for all the comments, and thank you for your reviews as well, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We love it. We thrive off of those nice reviews and the nice comments. So let's keep it going. It's what safe you say? to
1: say we don't get a single nice thing we've said about us on any given day. And so when we see a review like this, we feel worthy.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. We have value.
1: <laughs> we feel like we're part of this this thing. It's something bigger than ourselves. Yes. And we appreciate
0: the heck out yeah. of it. Yeah, keeps mm-hmm. us going. That's for sure. Oh my God, how are you feeling this morning? I see you've got your brand new. I needed that T-shirt. Yeah, on. man, good job. I, I like yours as well. I like the hoodie.
1: We are uh, shamelessly plugging our brand new merch line, which just got underway today. Uh, it is it is high quality stuff. We've got uh, th- what I th- consider to be the single best hoodie on planet Earth that we've stamped with the I Needed That, and I know you just love these next-level T-shirts. We had to get next-level (laughs) T-shirts.
0: I I was kind of picky when it comes to the T-shirts, but you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. Funniest thing, though, when Matthew walked in the door today, I was wearing that hoodie, Uh and as soon as he walked in, I was like, damn, okay, hold on, I'll be right back. And I went and threw my shirt on, so...
1: I want you to know if we were at my house, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Your closet was closer, so...
0: (laughs) That's how it works. Long story short, you guys asked, we listened. And so, yes, we now got the merch out for y'all. And uh, we got cups. Cups. We got uh, Yoga mats. Wa- water bottles.
1: Somebody wanted a blanket, so we made an
0: I Needed That blanket. <laughs> yes. We got sweatshirt hoodies. We got sweatshirts. We got all of it.
1: So good. Yes. Yep. And links in the show notes. We appreciate any support that you can offer us. All right, should we get to our guest?
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to have him on because I followed him on Insta for a long time. You know, he, he, we're kind of running parallel paths. He's he's all things wellness, and I like it because he backs everything up with science and some really really interesting science. Yeah. And so like, uh, so he'll he'll talk about some of these claims, and it's like, wow, that seems pretty extreme. And then he'll actually pull out some of the studies that are legitimate studies on PubMed. It's like, well, I'll be damned. That sure enough, like there is some scientific evidence behind this. Yeah. And it's cool because he he likes to break it all down in very um very real and tangible ways to explain it. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm definitely excited to have him on.
1: Some of his shocking posts include fiber is overrated. Alcohol is bad for your brain, a vegan diet for eight weeks. Why fake butter is bad and how to use cookies to your benefit. And so let's bring this guy in right now. He is from Seattle, Washington, or at least that's where he is this morning. Metabolic Mike. Good morning and welcome to the, I need to that podcast.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, you bet. What does that sign say behind you? Does it say "High Intensity Health"? Is that what that high,
2: says? Yeah, High Intensity Health. So that's the brand that I created. My YouTube channel. Uh, I started that in 2014. Um, wow. You know, it's I, I was actually working in sales uh, with medical doctors and, and doing um, nutritional sales for a. a practitioner-only supplement brand. And so I traveled the country, traveled to Canada, worked with a lot of key accounts. And so I was interviewing these doctors because they had such great clinical information, but they were not really good at marketing themselves. And Mm -hmm. so I started this platform called High Intensity Health. And so we've done 300 interviews with all sorts of different health professionals all throughout North America, Canada, uh, and throughout the world, actually. So yeah, that's the impetus of uh, High Intensity Health. That's really cool. So now you've got your YouTube
0: platform, your Instagram platform, what other channels are you on? Only fans. Hey,
2: yeah, of course. Come on now. <laughs> Clean the house. Dude, to my, I've uh, seen little... you with your shirt off. So
0: just in case <laughs> yeah. this whole thing falls apart, you got to back up.
2: <laughs> right. No, just those two. I mean, I know a lot of people are getting on TikTok now and I used to tinker around with Twitter, but I just found that um, there's enough people. I, I really like YouTube. Uh, YouTube, I think it's a It's its own channel and people really go there for content, how to fix erectile dysfunction or how to cure migraines or why do I have constipation, things like that. And I found um, just making really succinct videos to help people understand uh, what's going on. There's this huge chasm with, uh, you know, layman uh, influencer types sharing information and what's being published in the literature. And so I like to just convey the literature so people understand, you know, science behind some of the things that we recommend or why they might be feeling a certain way. And so that's kind of what we do is just break down studies, talk about research, and then interview experts. And what, yeah, yeah. what
1: is the last YouTube video you watched about how to learn to do something? Oh, uh, how
0: to train a GPT. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was over the weekend. How I mean, because that's GPT? the thing. It's so much, e- it's almost easier instead of Googling. Just sure. go to YouTube, because then you literally get all the information right there, but you get it in, you You get the 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 step-by-step guide, as opposed, you don't have to read anything, you just hit right. play, and someone's literally in your office talking, to you, talking you through it. So, no, it's, how about you? What was the last name? You, uh, I Googled, something.
1: how can I possibly please my wife and bud? I, I just <laughs> needed to see some videos and some <laughs> tutorials. I needed, I, uh...
0: No, there's, a, there's a different website. <laughs> I think it was
1: like, honestly, it was something, the effect of changing the oil in a 2016 Volkswagen Jetta uh. <laughs> in my, there place, you go. my son's car. Yes. I think <laughs> a, that was the last thing that I Googled on. Uh, yeah. YouTube.
2: Yesterday morning, I learned how to clean out our dishwasher on the bottom, the little uh, filter and the, and all that. So yeah, it was two minutes, boom, done, cleaned it, ran the sanitization uh cleansing process. So yeah, it's YouTube's amazing. It's yeah, the second biggest search engine in the world. Second to Google. So right. Yeah. Right. Well, and just before we
0: jumped on, when you were in the, in the waiting room, I was telling Matthew, that's what I really appreciate about you is that it's like you, you talk about some claims that are very eye opening, but at the same time, you always back it up with literature. And then, you know, looking at, at your credentials, you're, you've got a master's in nutrition. So you understand the importance of backing things up with the science. And so that's one of the reasons I was so stoked to have like you on this the show. Guy. You're just like this guy. I, well, and here's the thing, and I don't mean that bad. Well, and 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 Mike brought this up though. There's a there's a lot of people. There's a lot of influencers out there. They're making some really wild claims, and so if you don't have the receipts to back it up it's, it's turning into a problem because like, that's kind of the root of, it's like, that's kind of fake news right there.
2: So a little bit. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a lot of egregious claims um, on, on all sides of the spectrum, right? Whether we look at a vegan activist or a carnivore activist or things in, in the middle, you know um, but what's interesting about this, Chris is, you know, uh, anecdotal stories and, and, uh, little things that people figure out, for example, like sunbathing your genitals. This is popular in LA. Have you guys heard about this or talked about this? I just did it no. this morning. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> Love it. No. but you, you have see my
1: bronze balls. <laughs> they are just incredible. You
2: have, well, you have my undivided intention. Are, you know, kind of talking You're about this as it. a way to stimulate testosterone production, but it's kind of funny because now uh, urologists and pelvic floor specialists are actually starting to study this to figure out if perennial bathing is a way to actually stimulate or optimize health of sexual function in both men and women. So it's funny that on the one hand, we kind of pick on these anecdotal stories and think, well, gosh, how could going on a meat only or zero carbohydrate uh, diet, benefit people say with autoimmunity or gastrointestinal issues or obesity, but it turns out that there is some benefit for people reducing their fiber. And so I I don't want to dismiss all these anecdotal claims that are on the interwebs. There's even egregious stuff as people wiping, putting first morning urine on their face because urine, it turns out has stem cells and it might affect or reduce wrinkles. I mean, there's a lot of egregious things, but what's nice is these anecdotes actually get published as case studies. And then we start to look at randomized clinical trials, you know, Pairing people who don't put urine on their face versus people who do, and looking at their skin over time. So I think it is important to blend the best of both worlds uh, when it when it comes to you know finding out how to improve your health on the inter- internet. All
0: right,
1: show of hands. How many people are peeing on their face in the morning? Okay, so <laughs> very none of,
2: small none number. Of out of hands yet.
0: Up. We're, I'm waiting for more literature to come out, but I tell you what, Mike, it's the funniest thing. We were talking about this. My mom, the other is this is this is a, few, a couple months ago. Yes, she was telling me all about the importance of drinking urine for the stem cells. Mm-hmm. And my mom is, you know, I dismissed her for years. She's super progressive. Very progressive, She yeah. had me when I was eight years old, you know, and like doing all these meditations and everything. And it's the funniest thing because I dismissed it for years. She's always been like 20 years ahead of the curve. Wow. <laughs> and so that's it's impressive. that's the funniest thing. So when she's, she mentions it, and I'm like, oh, mom, that's silly. And then all of a sudden I stop and I'm like, she's probably on to something though. Yeah, and that. sure enough.
1: So I just, uh, pardon me, because I'm just sort of um, very literal. I, so do I pee? and do I cup it in my hands or do I pee on a wash rag? And then like, what, have you read the literature? What does it say to do?
2: Well, see, I've, so I've been doing this actually, because I heard about this several years ago and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give this a try. So okay. what you do is you get a little cup uh-huh. and you, your first morning void, you know, you pee out about 50% of your bladder and, uh, and, and, your bladder and then pee into a cup and then finish the rest off and, and finish your urination into the toilet. Then you take a rag or a towel and wipe it around your eyes or troublesome spots around your face. And I don't know if it's doing anything for my particular skin, but I have heard from people who look much, who are aging much more gracefully in their fifties and sixties than the average American. And this is their secret to skin health. And I don't know if there's anything to it, but as Chris alluded to, there are stem cells in urine and there's a lot of people. I haven't gone so far as to start to drink my own urine. I feel like urine is a waste product. Why drink it? But if there are residual stem cells, because of the fact that your urine is hanging out in your bladder all night, then perhaps there could be a, a long term gain with skin health but i'm not necessarily promoting this i just think some of these ideas are interesting to tinker with what what does the literature say about this from from and i'm sure it's probably very very fresh but Is that a yeah. joke <laughs> there, correct. Um, there is some literature, uh, urology journals talking about how there is stem cells uh, in urine, but there's not a large sort of dossier of literature supporting this as a purported health tool. Um, but I think this has been used in, you know, the Greeks used to do something with the urine and, and different parts of uh, Ayurvedic medicine uh, has done something with urine therapy you know, for example, you know, my dad's a surfer and I stepped on a sea urchin. And, and the first mm. thing my dad said is, Hey, you got to pee on your foot. Yep. Uh, you know? And I thought this was like five. I'm like, come on, dad, like this, no way. And I didn't listen to his advice. I ended up getting a skin infection and had to take uh Keflex because there was this red streak of staph, staph aureus, I think coming up my leg. So I wish I would have listened to him because he's done this a million times. And so anyway, that being said, I think there is some, maybe some health benefits assuming you're eating a healthy diet and not having soda and french fries and cookies and all these things in your urine so (laughs) right no absolutely this is
0: a good place like where the hell do we go from here this this is why i wanted to have him on man he's he knows so much about he can go any direction we want to go all right that's the beauty
1: of it you mentioned this word earlier and i want to tackle this because it's something that i've been considering and thinking about this you went vegan for eight weeks And I'm real curious, number one, what prompted you to do it? And then number two, what was your personal experience like? Actually, before you answer both those questions, what did you typically eat leading up to it?
2: Yeah. Great question. So I get into health. um, My mom, my stepmother was really big into Atkins in the late nineties. And so this was a low carb diet, higher in protein. And so this was something that, you know, I had an older stepbrother that was pretty hard on me. I was really into fitness and wanted to like beef up and I played, you know, uh, football in high school and ran track and sprinted and all that. So I wanted to, you know, I was more, interested in aesthetics and building muscle back then. And it seemed that eating this Atkins diet would help with that. And so I noticed some some pretty significant improvements in body composition, lost belly fat, and and all that. And then in college, I got into the paleo diet and the research, actually, I did do a, a, a research project and Boyd Eaton and Lauren Cordain were the academic researchers that really helped to popularize what we now know to be the paleolithic diet. And so I was eating that way for several years. Then I moved to Boulder, Colorado, I was really into endurance athletics, wanted to be a pro cyclist. I did collegiate cycling, you know, um, during my undergrad. And um, in Boulder, Colorado at that time, this is the early 2000s, there was a big push for plant-based diets, vegan diets. A lot of uh, Brigitte Mars was one of the activists out there. And so I, I really got into veganism back then. And I noticed, so I shift from basically a, you know, I was minimizing consumption of grains. Uh, the, t- the the types of carbohydrates that I would have were tubers, root vegetables, for example, sweet potatoes, squash, fruits, vegetables, things like that. Not a lot of grains. I figured out that at that point, grains were causing my uh, digestive system to, you know, I'd have a lot of bloating and gas and constipation. But when I started to go on more of the vegan diet, it was ha- a very nut-based. So I would soak and sprout uh, almonds, cashews, Brazil nuts, walnuts, all that. And I noticed uh, almost immediately my gastrointestinal system did not like that. But I've been hearing about all the benefits, longevity, you know, you sprout these nuts and seeds and so forth, and they're supposed to be superfoods. Um, but I just found that didn't really work for me. And so I, I stopped doing it. And I would also sprout quinoa. Sometimes I would make beans, but, um, had a lot of GI issues as a result of that. So I ended up going back on the paleolithic diet. And then when I bought the home that I live in now in 2015, we have, it's almost half an acre. So I I got really into gardening and was grow. I wanted to just, you know, we, I have 17 chickens. They're actually right behind this camera. I'm looking at some of them right now. We had pigs and all that, but I, I wanted to kind of, be self-sustainable, you know, not always have to go to the farmer's market or the grocery store for produce and things. And started in 2016, really started to grow a lot of vegetables. And I thought, gosh, it'd be nice if I could just live off my land. And that's when I was like, look, I'm just going to, you know, try to go vegan and was eating just a ton of, um, a lot of greens, you know, basically like, um, brassica kale swiss chard cauliflower any green that we could grow and i just i i got leaner for sure like i i felt like you know Ostensibly, I felt like it was improving my health, but I always had GI issues like constipation, diarrhea. I felt like I had a a brick in my stomach. And this is when around 2017, the carnivore diet started to become popularized. Sean Baker was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and a lot of people pivoted from keto to carnivore. And at first, I thought this was just lunacy. How could you not have all these healthy polyphenolic rich? Um, vegetables that I was eating and all the fiber? What about the microbiome? I was really big into you know the human microbiome <laughs> project came out in 2012 and all the prebiotics yep. and all this. I thought, gosh, there's no way that eating that way could be helpful. But I couldn't ignore the fact that I had all these GI issues. So I started to dabble with this carnivore diet and gastrointestinal issues, the constipation, the bloating, feeling like you have a brick in your stomach, basically went away overnight. And that really challenged my own bias. This was the first time in my so-called nutritional career that I was like, wow, I was wrong about consuming high bulk amounts of fiber and all, all these, you know, uh, prebiotic fibers and, and, and vegetable matter. Um, it, it turns out that as omnivores, you know, humans, you know, we – can digest both plant matter and animal matter, but we don't have this intensive uh, stomach system that other ruminant animals, such as, you know, goats uh, Mm -hmm. and cattle and deer and things like that have. They have multiple chambers, five to seven different chambers based upon the species where they can really break down and assimilate all of this vegetable matter into and convert that into protein with the help of their gut bacteria. And so I started to really um, dive into the research on, you know, digestive physiology and the the physiology of our gastrointestinal tract and realize that, you know, having all that bulk probably is not ideal. Uh, I mean, some people thrive on it, right? There's people that look great uh, doing a lifelong vegan diet, but yep. I just found for me, it wasn't the best thing. Uh, and so now it's more of a animal protein heavy diet with fermented vegetables. I found mm. that having that like it's almost like pre-programmed rot. That's what right. ferment fermentation is. That really helps me to break down and assimilate some of those vegetables and <clears throat> excuse me, and not have the gastrointestinal complications.
1: Is there something about the fermentation process that makes it easier?
2: Yeah, I think it really helps to break down. Um, I mean, if you if you go and, and honestly, some of this came from traveling too. I, I was doing some work in South Korea oh. and Indonesia and I would go out Kimchi. there. And- <laughs> Kimchi, exactly. Before and after every meal. And I thought, mm-hmm. this is incredible. Why aren't we doing this here in America? You know, we have soda or, um, you know, cookies or, you know, you go to a restaurant, they give you bread or chips, right? But in Asia, it's kimchi. And I thought, this is just incredible. And I would talk to these physicians who had been seeing the health start to decline in South Korea, for example. And they would say that, well, part of the reason why there's so much childhood obesity in South Korea, and this is just anecdotal, their observations is because the mothers used to make the, you know, they would go to the farmer's market and make the kimchi. Now they're just buying it from the store or they're not even buying it at all. They're trying to eat like Americans eat because America is so cool. Right. And so I, I thought there's something really to this. So most of the vegetables, that we consume now are fermented or um prepared in that way um sprouted in a different manner now correct me if i'm wrong but i've
0: you're
1: i've wrong. you're wrong <laughs> <laughs>
2: thanks
0: mike's right i'm wrong <laughs> i've i've heard that kimchi is actually it's got some of the highest levels of lactobacillus acidophilus um, then it's because they
1: fermented in the- urine, it's, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> right?
0: And then they sunbathe it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <You're on> the- <laughs> oh my God. Just underneath the perennial area. Uh-huh. <laughs> so no, okay. Look, in all seriousness, yeah. I've heard kimchi is the best of all the fermented foods that you can consume because it is the highest in lactobacillus acidophilus. I mean, it, uh, like highest in what? And we'll be right back.
1: All right, Chris, let's talk about the Kept app. I know that you all have been working so hard behind the scenes. And I'll keep listening, everybody, because you're about to hear a four-letter word that you love a lot. And that letter is F-R-E-E, baby. You yes. went free on them.
0: What? Yes, yes. I mean, so here's, here's the, the cool thing about it is that, you know, the mission that we've been on is always to be able to provide a solution for everybody. And it's got to be affordable, and free so well, pretty what's affordable. more affordable, affordable than free? If you can start the journey of transformation with probably with, with one of the most powerful habit trackers out there. And now you can, you can track your sleep and your steps and your hydration breath and work. you can do breath work and a yes. mindfulness session and you can do 28 days of workouts. It's free. And you can learn the process of keeping your promises to yourself, which builds lifelong habits forever. Yeah. And so for, for long-term change. And again, it's free. So, the price is right. And
1: you, there's a premium version of the app. It's important to mention that, right? You can jump on the premium apps, for three to six months. But if you, if you just need something
0: to baseline to get you going, this is it. That's it. Why not get started? You know, and I, and I know a lot of these app subscriptions that, you know, it's, you, you could, the, the best part is that the kept app, it's 10 apps in one. And so if you've got, you know, an app that's tracking your nutrition, you got an app that you've got for workouts, you got an app that you're doing for mindfulness, you can get rid of all of those subscriptions. You can start this one for free. And if you want to unlock a thousand workouts and you want to unlock full nutrition tracking and, you know, macro cust- like custom macros and everything, you can yeah. do that on the premium version for sure. But in the meantime, you can start your transformation Completely free with us on the Kept app. And we're having a ton of fun. We're doing weekly challenges and everything. So, where's
1: the best place to go to get started?
0: Just go to keptpromises.com or look up. The Kept app with Chris Powell, Kept with Chris Powell on the Google Play Store or on the App Store. Beautiful, man. Yeah. I everybody
1: jumps on that today.
0: So tell me about these grief
1: retreats. Yeah, buddy. These are just been incredible. Thank you for asking. We have another grief relief retreat coming up on March 23rd. And if you're here in the Arizona area, you know, we don't often think about, Grief and how many different ways it impacts us. And it's not always just grief because somebody died. Sometimes you grief over losing a relationship, or you grief because of a divorce, or you grief because you didn't get the job you wanted or you got fired from your job, right? Like Grief comes in it, and it just kind of, it's like stress. It infiltrates us in all these ways that we don't think about. And when you're suffering from grief, man, your decision-making isn't as great. Your clarity isn't as good. You usually don't take as good a care of yourself. And before you know it, you're just in a tough spot.
0: Coming from the world of transformation, the folks that I'm working with, if they have past trauma and they have not gone through the healing process and the proper grieving process – It's like a parking brake on their transformation. And then when they can finally release it, they can finally move forward. This is why I'm such a big believer in this type of process to help heal. Discover the remarkable journey of anonymous John. No one likes feeling alone, anxious, or overweight. But John refused to let his circumstances define him. When his weight ballooned to a staggering
2: 600 pounds, he made a choice to take control of his life. He began documenting his journey in his journal, and after shedding his first 103 pounds, he decided to share his story with the world.
0: Through his journal, he offers inspiration and hope to anyone struggling with similar challenges. If you're looking to be inspired and uplifted, the Anonymous John podcast is for you. Join us on this journey of transformation and visit our website, theanonymousjohn.com.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, man. We've been putting on these grief relief retreats at an equine uh, therapy ranch, for lack of a better word, uh, up in North Scottsdale. And like I said, our next one is coming up March 23rd. And if you look in the show notes, you'll see a link to the grief relief retreat. But it really boils down to a few uh, important pieces. There's, There's movement and breath work. There is a lot of journaling that comes along with some discussions that we have. There's an equine therapy session, and then there's a river ceremony where we literally and figuratively set down the things that we don't want to carry anymore, and we set free the things that we'd like to see continue for the rest of time. Mm. It's super powerful, Everybody that's been through these retreats has talked about how life-giving it was for them to just be able to, because really what we do is we help you set down the story that you've been telling yourself Mm. for a long time. And and what's interesting is most of the folks that have come through our program, they experienced loss 32 years ago, 22 years ago, seven years ago. Three years ago, and so it's really all over the place. Uh, the only people that we will not accept for the retreat are people that are really fresh, because mm. that 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 upfront year or so, that's just hard, and there's right. nothing that anybody can really say to get you back on track. That's just a difficult sure. thing, absolutely. But if you're really struggling with your grief, I recommend the grief relief retreats. Again, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, and we'll see anybody who needs it on March 23rd. Let's get back to the podcast
0: lactobacillus acidophilus, which is, that's a good bacteria in your gut. We talk about microbiome health, right? And so remember your gut only does some of the digesting, right? And so you actually have to have all this incredibly good bacteria in your gut that helps break down and digest your
2: foods. And so what is this? It looks like ginger or something. It's cabbage, isn't it? Yeah. Cabbage. And you can really ferment anything. I mean, you could ferment kale. Um, We fermented uh, potatoes. Actually, these taste really good. Kids love these. They're almost like a, I mean, instead of making potato chips or French fries, I will slice up uh, Yukon potatoes or sweet potatoes and put them in a salt brine and let them ferment for about three days and then cook them. They taste phenomenal and that will help to break down oxalates. And so this is I think what you're alluding wow. to Chris is these helpful probiotic bacteria break down some of the anti-nutrients in the vegetable matter matter and that helps not only with our digestion what we're getting the good bacteria but also minimizes our exposure to some of these so-called anti-nutrients because it's important for people to recognize you know plants can't run and move away they don't have wings they don't have fangs they don't have claws they are stationary And they want to live just like a chicken or a cow wants to live as well. And so they will produce anti-nutrients to prevent or reduce herbivory. And, And so this is why blackberry bushes have thorns. Raspberry bushes have thorns to minimize their exposure Uh, to prevent other organisms, birds, and stuff from eating them. And some of the vegetables, as healthy as they can be, they have anti-nutrients like oxalates and phytates and goitrogens and these different compounds. And so when you ferment them, you minimize your exposure to those things that upset your tummy and make you feel not so good. So how do you make them taste good? Because I've literally got a bag of Yukon gold potatoes over there and some sweet potatoes. So you soak them in salt for three days and that ferments them? Good question. Well, the first step when making potatoes is you want to take the skins off. So you oh. peel them. Um, okay. The skin is, does have oxalates and other anti-nutrients. Mm-hmm. And if you look at different cultures throughout the world – my friend Bill Schindler, who has a book called "Eat Like a Human," really dives into this, and I learned the uh, potato fermentation recipe from him, actually. Um, and, and so, in Peru, for example, they bury the potatoes in the ground before they eat them because they have figured out that the skin has, uh, you know, causes digestive issues. And in fact, if you eat a lot of potatoes, oftentimes you will see the skin in your stool. Like you don't really right. digest that, yeah, and it can cause an upset tummy and bowel issue. So take the skin off and then either cook it that way or take the skin off, uh, peel them and then slice them up and yeah, put them in a salt brine and there's fermentation kits on Amazon for 30 bucks. Oh. I and mean, you can get these Mason jars and you get the water or sorry, the air out, you suck the air out and yeah. just put them in a, a dark, part of your you know, closet or pantry and then cook them three days later. So it's, it's like a five minute extra step, but it really helps to improve the digestibility and taste of these different potatoes. Okay. So okay. Go, go ahead. Well,
1: no, I want to ask my question's super selfish. Okay, go, I'm go for it. it go anyways. for it. So, about eight years ago, I was having a lot of di- digestive issues, and I went to my naturopath and I did the whole poop test, blood test, all the tests that you could to figure things out. And one of the things that the glaring things that came back for me was that if I eat grains and potatoes too close to each other, I'm a mess. My stomach is a mess. It's knotted up. I, I I feel all of the things that you were mentioning earlier, and and I hate it. And so what I have done is I've figured out that <clears throat> grains just do better in me than than potatoes do. But it pisses me off because I love sweet potatoes and I love mashed potatoes. And but I almost don't let myself eat these things because of the conflict. Can can you? Help me understand why those two things wouldn't jive together in somebody's body.
2: That's a good question, Matthew. I, I'm not really sure why that would be. Um, some people just don't do well with, the, I, I mean, I think what it could be a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You might have a situation where in your small intestine, you have a higher abundance of bacteria and that causes some bloating and excessive fermentation. So Interesting. this is known as SIBO. There's different uh, breath tests you can do to see if you have this. And you can take a non-absorbable antibiotic known as rifaximin to decrease So you should have bacteria in your gut and it should be mostly in your colon, not so much in your small intestine. But as we grow up with recurrent ear infections, whether or not we were breastfed or delivered naturally through our mother's, you know, vaginal canal or via C-section, all these factors impact the composition and the resilience of our gut bacteria. And due to, you know, modern life, a lot of us have lower amounts of bacteria in certain places and higher amounts in unhealthy places. And so as a consequence, when we have grains or potatoes or carbs, um, that can cause excessive fermentation and that can lead to symptoms of constipation, bloating, Diarrhea and things like that. I generally advise most clients if they're having GI issues or if they have autoimmunity, rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, any skin issue, um, to minimize the consumption of grains in general. So wheat products, barley, uh, anything like that. I think it is helpful to minimize because most people just don't have the resilience in their gut microbiome or digestive capacity. Uh, number one. And number two, how wheat and grains are hybridized and processed here in the U.S. is much different compared to Europe. Many of you uh, probably know that wheat here in the U.S., it's dried with an herbicide known as glyphosate. And glyphosate, it turns out, uh, is rampant. It's used, if you look at the the trends in glyphosate use uh, in crops here in North America and Canada, it's just off the charts compared to what happens in Europe. So you might notice that if you go to Europe and have some bread, you don't have issues. But when you have that same yes. amount of bread. Yep. Yes, yep. and it cheese to me. too.
1: Like I can eat good quality cheese and be fine. I can eat some crappy cheddar cheese, like you know, and, and I'm I'm wrecked.
2: Yep. Right. Yep. Well, in the case of cheese, I mean, cheese here is made from ultra homogenized, ultra-pasteurized milk. So it's basically been all the good bacteria in the cheese that you might get that's sitting out raw in France or Italy that's been unpasteurized. All the fermentation that we've been talking about with sauerkraut and kimchi, uh, that's what is used. Th- those same bacteria are used to help make cheese and it's raw. It hasn't been homogenized or pasteurized. And that's what we're eating. In contrast here in the U.S., most of the cheese is coming from, you know, ultra pasteurized, homogenized. So it's basically, there's no helpful bacteria. It's, it's basically like a, almost like a dead a- a product. And it helps with the food industry because it sits on the shelf for, for months and without becoming rancid. Whereas in Europe, it might be good for 10 days, you know, mm-hmm. but here's the cool part about the health movement here in the U S is you can find raw dairy, raw cheese, pretty much at, at most natural food stores. Now it's, there's a trend about trying to eat like how our ancestors in Europe would eat right, and having right. more. Yeah. All right. Okay. I got a couple jump of questions. In, yeah, jump in.
0: I'd love to go back
2: to your personal
0: journey through veganism, and then into the carnivore diet, or into the paleolithic diet, and then into carnivore. So you've had your own personal journey, and you've, you've realized and really kind of figured out over the years what's worked for you and what hasn't. You're also familiar with all the literature around it. What do you think is the biggest takeaway for for anyone who's listening? When it, Because there's a lot of zealots out there. There's like, this is the way to go. No, that's the way to go. And they're kind of demonizing, and there's all this fear-mongering. But what do you think is the answer for the majority of the population?
2: It's a great question, Chris. I think the answer for most people is they shouldn't be scared of saturated fat and red meat. If you look at hunter-gatherer cultures throughout the world, there's no culture that... Avoids meat or animal products entirely. Certain cultures might depend more upon fish. Other cultures, for example, the Maasai drink raw blood and, and do more kind of crazy things. But most cultures eat an omnivorous diet with some amount of animal protein, red meat and fish, uh, and then some amount of locally grown and prepared vegetable matter. I think this is the most important thing because we hear, you know, now there's a really big push towards vegani- veganism and plant based diets. And 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 while that could be healthier than the standard American diet, you're not going to be getting key micronutrients. We can talk about carnonutrients nutrients or or nutrients that are derived from animal proteins such as creatine, carnitine, zinc, Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin B12, folate. All these different nutrients are actually found in uh, healthfully raised animals like pasture-raised cattle. You have lamb, sheep and wild caught fish, you're going to get nutrients in there that you're just not going to get from plants. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that we shouldn't be scared about the saturated fat or that protein causes cancer. Uh, Again, our great ancestors, uh, you know, all of our great-great-great-grandparents would eat these health, health-promoting whole foods um, and wouldn't necessarily avoid them for fear of the saturated fat or cholesterol. I think where things go wrong is the, the mainstream medical community has really demonized saturated fat and cholesterol, uh, suggesting that it causes cardiovascular disease. But we now know that what really causes cardiovascular disease is insulin resistance. And we get insulin resistant by eating the the hyperpalatable, Processed junk foods, the cookies, the crackers, the baked goods, the sugar sweetened beverages, soda pop, uh, right. smoking—all the other lifestyle factors that are unhealthy. It's not that you know fat is clogging our arteries. Our arteries get clogged from being insulin resistant. And so, when we minimize our, expo- when we are proactive about minimizing our exposure to processed foods and eat more unprocessed whole real foods that we've been talking about, that's I think the most sustainable solution for a lot of people if you look at food consumption by group over the past 20 years, uh, we're eating much more chicken and much less uh, red meat as a collective. And so I think, um, if we think about how are chickens raised that most people are eating? Well, it's from, you know, Tyson and these major companies, these chickens, as I mentioned, I have chickens in my backyard. They're not seeing sunlight. They're eating right. uh, genetically modified corn and soy. Um, they're in a warehouse, they're stepping on each other. I mean, I, I, I don't think chicken is the super food that, that has been, uh, it's been purported to be, uh, I'm much more comfortable advising clients to have for their protein sources, uh, pasture-raised eggs or red meat or lamb or but, fish. How about turkey? Yeah. I, so I've had turkeys as well. I do like turkey, but turkey commercial turkey has the same problem that chickens do. In fact, I think it's a little bit worse because turkeys love to fly and roost. They're really hard to contain and they're very big. Um, and so turkey uh, commercially prepared turkey is going to have the same they're going to be eating the same unhealthy foods that chicken eat and i i think that's important for people to acknowledge because you are what your food ate right we right. know that <laughs> yeah. you know if you have genetically modified corn sprayed with glyphosate versus corn you grew in your backyard or from an organic farm it's going to be different cuz the soil inputs are different and we can apply that same argument for protein as well and so when these animals are raised in warehouses or these really confined uh, feeding lots and things like that probably not the healthiest uh, way to go about. No, I think it's not really humane. You know, the animals are not treated well. There's this whole field of meat science known as pre slaughter stress. So the idea that these animals get really stressed before they're slaughtered and that can change the composition of the meat. I think there's something to that. So I think it is good for people. To take a step back you know find a local rancher or farmer go to a farmer's market and just this whole slow food movement is has a lot of it's better for the environment it's better for us as well to get closer and connected to the people that are growing our food uh, as opposed to relying upon these major companies that are that are really commercializing this process and raising unhealthy animals as a consequence of that. I'm pumped yeah. up for sure. I'm for
1: sure. pumped up, man. It makes me like I'm so happy because I'm trying to drive more in that lane every single day. <clears throat> and I've just been looking. Uh, we live in this little part of Phoenix called Avatuki, and I noticed right around the the corner, right around the uh, the mountain, there are two different farms, and they sell fresh meat and eggs and all of this stuff. Like you can just drop by and there's a little store and it's in, you know, you can take what you need. It's a lot more expensive. I mean, I'm going to give it that. It's like, I'm not going to get eggs for three ninety nine a dozen. It's more like eight bucks. <clears throat> but I guess what you're saying is we can feel a lot better because we're putting the right things into our body that, you know, our small intestines, to use your example, need.
2: <laughs> Correct. And then the animals are going to have, they're just going to have a higher composition of healthy fats in in their the meat that you're getting, for example, or you—you you made the case of the the cheap eggs. Uh, you know, if you just go to say a big box store or grocery outlet, you know these chickens are stuck in a cage and so they're not even moving around. And so uh, the fatty acid composition, the choline, uh, all the different nutrients are are they're going to have a different composition uh, in that. The the eggs that we get from my backyard chickens—I mean, they're flying around. They have I don't know 400 square feet. They're moving around. They're flying. These animals should be mobile, just like us humans. They need to move, and uh, that does. Impact the inflammation that they have in their own bodies, and so when we consume their products, whether it's an egg or their flesh, um, I, I believe that there's a lot of uh, added health benefits uh, there as well. So I got a question for you,
0: and my mind always goes here because I spent years working with people in the south, uh, the southeast United States, um, in a lot of the food deserts, and you know, with a very low socioeconomic status. And so I'm always trying to find the solutions for the people that are, you know, they, they they can't afford to go to Whole Foods. And, you know, they go to a farmer's market and $8 for a dozen eggs is just, I'm sorry, but that it's yeah. not feasible. <laughs> they can't make it go. So, so I actually, and I personally, I shop at, at Walmart. That's where I get my groceries. And so how about for all the people out there that who really need help and they want to get good quality protein, but they're... Right now, Walmart's the only option because it's the only place within 100 miles that they can go to get food for their family. Yeah. Say you, I walk into Walmart. But even Walmart's doing better. They are. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. And it's going to lead into another question okay, I've got from go Mike ahead. here. Sorry. I got but excited. What, what's, what are some, if, if, you're, if that's your option, what are, some, what are some of the best
2: choices you can
0: make as far as quality protein that you're going to find at Walmart?
2: Yeah, the, Chris, I love this question. This is brilliant. I, I think that's three so I'm, far.
0: Brilliant question. I'm
1: keeping
2: <laughs> track. I'm keeping track, man. I mean, with inflation and with the economy at, at the state that it is, this yeah. is a realistic concern for a lot of people, especially if you have children, because yeah. you're like, okay, I want to feed my children healthy food. And and what do you see when you go to Walmart or any of these big box stores? The cheapest food is the unhealthiest food. The cereal right. boxes are like three feet tall. You know, you get bread that's this bit long yep. uh, for like three dollars. Oh yeah. So I steer people – in that case, I would say the eggs that we talked about that may not be the healthiest, that's going to be a good option because you can get an 18-pack of eggs for like $9 or something at some of these stores. So I think that's a good option. It may not be perfect, but it's way better than the cereal and the breads and the sugar-sweetened beverages. Yes. And then I would go for the ground beef Mm. because the ground beef um, – and. you can, really, you can get the fattier cut you know there's a 80 20 there's a 90 10 whatever i just shop i would recommend shop the deals you know and store up and throw some in your freezer and then i would just steer people towards say just a white rice you know you can get a big bag of actually there's a restaurant supply store if you can find these this is where most of the local restaurants actually buy their food you can that's actually there's better deals there and good, higher quality protein and rice sources than even say Walmart or Costco. So this is a little uh, secret. So Google restaurant supply. Go to and you can get things in bulk as well, and it brings down the cost per pound significantly. So I would focus on higher, like red meat, uh, ground beef is going to be your best bang for buck in terms of cost, and then rice. And then I would soak the rice overnight, and then rinse it, and then cook it in a slow cooker. So. And this sounds like a boring diet: rice and red meat.
0: (coughs) I love lean. Hold
2: on, This is what bodybuilders and fitness people have been doing for a very long time. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Hold that thought. You guys chat really quick. I got to show you something, Mike, just as I'll be
2: right back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'll tell everybody a really funny story. Uh, when my wife and I got married back in 2004, we, we had a rice cooker on our uh, wish list uh, for gifts. Right. And I remember my friend cinnamon, that's her real name who called me and she was like, how much freaking rice do you eat? And I was like, I eat rice almost every single day of my life. Like that's how much rice I eat. It's Oh, there, there he go. Is. <laughs> there we go, yes. Jasmine
0: and rice, dude. <laughs> yes, of nice. course. Dude, 15 bucks, that's 25 pounds right there.
1: Yeah, that'll last you a long time. I take
0: a cup and I put it in my slow cooker once a day and that feeds me and my kids. Yeah. Nice. It's amazing. And it's, it's so funny. So Mike, like I said, I shop at Walmart. At Walmart. And what you just said as far as getting the eggs, getting the ground beef, I literally was there just like three days ago and that's exactly what I got. I was like, eggs, ground beef, if I need to pick up rice, I'm good, but that's going to last me for a year. Yeah. But that's exactly what I do. Okay. Yeah. We're going in the right so direction. We're on the right yeah. direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
1: hard. And we, we've talked about this on podcasts in the past before that you've you said. It takes about seven days for the palate to shift and make a change, right? Because of the taste bud situation. Right. So for people that are going to, you know, try to shop the outside of the aisle is what we used to call that. The outside, the perimeter of the grocery stores. It's going to take you a second. Like, I'm not saying you're going to love the, the, the meal. You're not going to love the way it tastes for a little while. But, okay, you're going to feel better. You're going to potentially lose weight. Your, your you know, your heart problems might start to dissipate. <laughs> the diabetes might start to become not a thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of benefits to it. But I, I think the bottom line is you have to make people understand that, that that's worth it. Because th- there's too many people in the world that have this attitude. Well, I got to die from something. And it's like, well, okay. Well, then I guess you've just given up. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to help that person. Yeah,
0: and and the like. Who wants to suffer while they're living? It's like it's people do it every day, dude. Yeah,
1: that's Um, just it. Okay, go ahead, and then I want to move on to fake butter.
2: Yeah, let's talk, let's dive into that. But first, I I think it really is important for people to think and, and conceptualize their own mortality because as you get older and you have these underlying health conditions, they don't really disable you in the moment. Obesity, osteoarthritis, achy knees, achy hips. Uh, maybe high blood pressure, you don't think that that is going to cause you to lose your marbles or your memory over time or uh, cause a dysfunction or cause a heart, ent- heart attack or sudden cardiac death later. But this is what we're seeing now. And we're starting to see even children and young adults, people in their prime of life in their 30s starting to have the underlying chronic comorbid conditions that we normally would only see in people in their 50s, 60s and beyond. So I think it, it really is that important and it comes down to the food choices and the exercise choices. So, you know, eating a very simple diet like this, and there's room for splurging on the weekend, maybe going out and having pizza or a little ice cream, but just practice the 80-20 rule. And here's the thing, Chris, and I think we've all conceptualized this. When we eat simpler foods and have a lower range of palatability, for example, when you stop having Cheetos and Pop-Tarts and all of these foods that that have been, you know, chemically engineered to increase the the palatable palatability. Our, our, ability to consume them. They're very hyper palatable. There's all sorts of wide ranges of sensory profiles uh, in these different foods. That encourages overconsumption. And so when we minimize all these sensory profiles and you know, have grass-fed beef or eggs or some fruit, some rice, you know, we're not having this wide range and we actually consume less overall energy, which is important. So, first thing, prioritize the protein. And get your other calories, say, from rice or some fruit. And I think you're going to be much better off longer. Uh, and if you can just do this for eight weeks, like you said, and, and minimize this, then over time, you're not going to be craving the crackers and the cookies and all the other you know, baked goods. Dude, thank you so much for summing that up because that was actually one of my questions is like, yeah.
0: hey, just to, from a broad range as far as nutritional guidance that you would give the world. You just did that, so thank you, and I pre- I really appreciate that. Not to make this about myself or anything, because I, I know you would asked the question about your gut and everything, but- the- It is
1: our podcast, so yeah. we, we are allowed to ask for questions no. about ourselves, well, I guess.
0: Well, I'm really glad you said <laughs> that, because that's that's actually something I started doing subconsciously, and it's worked really well for me, for what it's worth, just because I feel so much better doing this, but I, the only carbs I eat during the day is fruit, and so I always have I smashed a bunch of blueberries this morning. Pineapple. I had a banana. I've had I've had a pear. <laughs> this is already this morning. I eat a lot of fruit and I eat a lot of dairy. So I've got my Greek yogurt and I've got my cottage cheese and I did have a, sh- a protein shake this morning. cheese. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but but that's the thing. No. I, since I started doing that. Um, it's completely changed my palate also because, you know, I've, I go through phases where all of a sudden I'm eating more Cheetos and I'm, you know, snacking on the kids' foods. And all of a sudden my fruit tastes like crap,
2: yes. <laughs> you know.
0: And then, and then I start I back off of that I go back to fruit and then I have a Cheeto and I'm like, it's so salty. Oh my gosh, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild how your body will adjust to that. But no, it works really well and I feel good when I, when I eat like this. And then guess what? On Fridays, we can have pizza Fridays. And we'll have right. we'll enjoy a pizza, and I'll sleep like crap after that. But <laughs> we still so enjoy still enjoyed pizza, and and it's fine. And and it I, it's it's that beautiful balance between all of it. So thank you for summing that up.
2: All right, yeah. we're yeah. on with
1: Mike, yeah. uh, metabolic Mike, today here on the I Needed That podcast, and enjoying this. We have got about uh, fifteen minutes left with you. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was uh, one of the posts you made: why fake butter is bad. I'm pretty sure I, I know where we're headed here, um, but I myself use I Can't Believe It's Not Butter on my popcorn, and uh, I'm, I am I know that real butter is better for me, and I'm not even sure why I choose the alternative, but shake that out for us, man. The post you made on Instagram, and by the way, if people want to find you, This is that's Metabolic Mike. That's where you'll find him right there. Um, why is fake butter bad?
2: It's a great question. Well, you know, we have to go back in history and think about, well, how long have humans been eating butter? It's probably as long as we've been eating food in general or been a species. We've been eating butter for a very, very long time. And it wasn't until Procter and Gamble actually started to make uh, Crisco to compete with butter at the turn of the 19th century. And The story of Crisco is quite interesting and it'll dovetail back to your question, but just I think the historical context is really important for people to understand. So most of the fake butter comes from either cottonseed oil or canola oil. And those two oils are really not fit for human consumption. Cotton seeds are actually a waste product of the cotton gin uh, industry. They would just have these piles of cotton seeds and they have uh, actually talk, a toxic compound known as gisipol that would poison the pigs and the horses that would get out and eat these cotton seed piles. But Procter & Gamble was a, a candle wax making company and they thought, well, gosh, what if we can turn this? Because they knew that there was an oil in the cotton seed. What if we can press this oil and, and repurpose it as a food product that could compete with butter because butter is expensive. You have to milk the cows. You have to churn the butter. There are a lot of labor and some loss that might come into that. And so these are how these fake butter products came about was taking an industrial waste product that's toxic to humans and manufacturing this in a facility and repurposing this as a better product. But the, in the case of Crisco or cottonseed oil, we know that it needed to be hydrogenated in order to be shelf stable. And of course it wasn't for some 90 years until after this product was introduced widely to Americans and most homemakers and housewives at the time that were making baked goods in the, uh, for the family were using Crisco instead of butter because a lot of heavy marketing, uh, you know, fear of saturated fat and butter and cholesterol and this. And now we know that, that these, the hydrogenation of cottonseed oil in particular is very problematic for our vessels, uh, the hydro, Hydrogenated trans fats cause cardiovascular disease and are linked with dementia and vascular decline and, and very problematic. So, you know, there's another product that is actually uh, found in most of the artificial butters now known as canola oil. Now, canola oil the history is actually quite similar to uh, cottonseed oil. Now, cottonseed oil is still ubiquitous in the food supply. If you go and look at Girl Scout cookies in front of your you know Walmart trip or you know, in front of Costco, you know, well intended mothers and Girl Scout uh, you know members are trying to raise some money and they're selling you Girl Scout cookies, but they still have cottonseed oil in there, which is problematic, right? Because again, no human or animal would ever eat this without industrial processing and and all this. Now, the same goes for canola oil. And that is what is in most of these uh, vegan products and, uh, butter alternatives you know the i can't believe it's not butter uh all this uh, these fake butter products have canola oil but it turns out if the the history of canola oil is quite interesting i i know the history of this one and it is pretty wild go ahead mike this is a machine lubricant well initially it was a machine lubricant and it was also used uh in uh uh, heating houses and stuff like that so wd-40 Well, so canola oil has a compound in it called heuristic acid and heuristic acid makes the canola oil a little bit different in machine lubrication. It has different properties that are advantageous, especially for ships. And so this was widely used uh, in World War II and uh, for ships and and, in the navies and stuff in Canada. And the reason why it's called can is because most of rapeseed or canola was grown in Canada. Then after the world, the World War II there was a huge supply of this, but no demand because there wasn't a lot of need to give all this oil to the ships. And so scientists in Manitoba, Canada figured out that this highly toxic heuristic acid in canola oil, if we have a lot of this, for example, that hasn't been refined, it will stop our heart. It's really problematic for our cardiovascular system, but they figured out a way to extract this toxic uric acid and make uh, this into an oil that's fit for human consumption ostensibly. And this has been pumped into the food supply um, all throughout the world. And so most of these fake butter products have canola oil, have cottonseed oil, and and I just look at these uh, these novel food ingredients. Our great grandparents didn't eat these things because they naturally have toxins that, that cause us harm. And so I, I just, number one, I don't think that's a good idea. We learned uh, throughout history that when we manufacture a food-like product and introduce it, uh, usually there's some long-term health consequences. And in the specific case of canola oil, why I'm not a huge fan of this is it slows down the production of healthy omega-3 fat Uh, conversion into anti-inflammatory signaling molecules known as pro-resolving mediators. Now, I don't want to lose people in the weeds of complexity here, uh, but essentially when you're consuming a lot of these omega-6 fats, they put the brakes on the helpful synthesis of omega-3 anti-inflammatory fatty acids. We've all heard of Omega 3s, for example, breastfeeding mothers will take fish oil supplements to increase uh, EPA and DHA. And these are the acronyms for these long chain anti inflammatory fats. But if we're consuming a lot of cookies, crackers, sweets, and fake butter products, uh, we hit the brakes on that, that conversion process of our, of our foods uh, to, for our own body to make these anti inflammatory fatty acids. And so, When uh, several studies uh, have been done uh, by scientists in the UK, uh, tracking vegetarians and vegans versus omnivorous eaters, and finding that uh, vegetarians and vegans have a really low level of these health health health-promoting long-chain omega-3 fats. And if you look at the data, uh, people who have a sudden cardiac uh, event or sudden cardiac death, um, they really have low levels of these long-chain. Omega 3 fatty acids in their blood. And so if you look at the Okinawans and, and uh, super centenarians, they have much higher levels of these health promoting long chain fats. And it turns out that when people are consuming these, you know, uh, vegan butters and fake butters, they have lower levels in their blood of these health promoting long chain fats. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of these because they inhibit the conversion of these health promoting fatty acids. Oh wow. my
1: God, dude. I just eat so much canola oil. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I got to stop today. Like, I'm going to go home and dump it out. What do I replace it with?
2: What's your recommendation? Uh, that was my question. Just but- butter, or ghee. I mean, people, admit we've been eating butter for such a long time as a collective. You know, if you go back to India, uh, you know, there's ghee. There's uh, people eat butter. You know, in Italy and Europe, these these novel food products, the, these imi- food imitations. That's what they're. They're really fake foods. We really shouldn't be consuming them. And so I think that's where we can. Summarize this, you know, this conversation for people. Just eat like your great grandparents would eat. They didn't have access to all these novel food products that rely upon industrial uh, manufacturing right. to be palatable for humans. How about avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil? Big fan of all three of okay. those. Good.
1: What about sunflower oil? I think minim-
2: I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with sunflower <clears throat> oil. I-, I don't, but I do think. That is probably better to mention the oils that, that Chris alluded to, you okay. know, the macadamia, the avocado, uh, coconut, and then also butter. And so I think those are the oils that are going to be more health promoting. But of course, people are scared of coconut oil because it's high in saturated fats. But some of the oils in coconut are medium chain triglycerides that get converted into health-promoting ketones that help with cognitive function. They're anti-inflammatory. So again, it comes down to this misinformation and uh, not so much science-based fear of saturated fat. There's really not a correlation between saturated fat consumption and risk for future heart disease. This has been borne out now in, in recently published studies, um, and, and we can go back into Ansel Keys and talk about some of the bogus science from the you know 1960s. But yeah, don't be scared of saturated fat, I think is the most important thing.
0: Okay, man. That's awesome. We got, yeah.
1: We got name that tune, Okay, and uh, then we're going to uh, let you go.
0: I, t- I told you, a wealth of, of information. We could have gone anywhere. I mean, we could have talked cold. Plain- we could have talked, oh, I man. mean, heat exposure. We could have talked, we could talk, talk training, step count. I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen some of your lectures on, on step count and everything and it's just, it's fascinating stuff and, and like real life takeaways. So. There's nothing that says we
1: can't have Metabolic Mike if he enjoyed his time with us. There's nothing that yes. says that. Let's
2: do it. I like it, guys. Thank you. Of awesome. course.
1: All right. We, loved, uh, we, we love music on this show. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like music is king. The Grammys, we just were recording this podcast on, uh, what is today, the 5th. The Grammys were last night and all the big winners. I don't know if you, you care about that stuff too much. But what do you listen to, man? What's some of your favorite, uh, what's some of your favorite music?
2: Yeah. um, I like the reggaeton type stuff, a little like Latin America infusion. um, Bad Bunny, I listen to him sometimes. Um, It really just depends on the mood. If I'm working out, I'll do a little Metallica. Uh, Yeah. I mean, a little country if I'm doing yard work. It really, for me, music is like all about the vibe that I'm trying to create. So that's sort of what I, how I play it.
1: All right. Well, I've got my song ready for him or do you want to play a song for him? I've got a song also. You know, can we do two
0: songs? Of course. Okay, are you, are you connected? Are you connected? Are I'm not connected yet. Okay, hold on let man. me unpair,
1: yep. and then you can jump in, and uh, you should be able to connect. Okay. While, while you're doing that, I'll give them the first one, okay? okay? perfect. All right, man, so name that tune on our show works like this. I'm going to give you the opening, like, five, six, seven, eight seconds, and then if you can, you tell us the title and the artist. Are you
2: ready? Ooh, it's going to be tough for me. All right.
1: All right, here we go. Metabolic Mike, name that tune, number
2: one. Gosh. Um I've heard this song a million times. Yeah, yes, it, you have. I want to say it came out early 2000s. Yes. Um but I I can't picture the artist. I can see her face dancing. I remember maybe MTV I can't. Okay, sorry.
0: I'll I'll give the first name and correct me if I'm wrong cuz I, I don't know this one either but I'm pretty sure it's Mary. Yes. Mary Joe Blige? Yeah. Mary J Blige. Yep. J Blige. Okay.
1: And the song is called
0: Dance with me? No. It's called <laughs> Family <laughs> <laughs> Affair. Okay.
1: <laughs> So nice. there you go, man. Yeah. it's one of those songs that you you, you hear it a hundred times but you're like and I'm not totally sure who sings it that we run into this all the time and Mike <laughs> the reason we love this game so much is I was a radio personality for almost 28 years and so I I'm I love this game I give me like the opening second to a song and I can
0: almost always nail it right away. So my, I'm now, I'm going to give you just a little backstory oh, behind. Go. <laughs> it's going to be some crazy Mike. song from the eighties. Get no, ready, Mike. No, it's going to be a song from the nineties because here's the thing. Mike is from Seattle. Okay. here. And so we got to go Jam. Seattle nineties. <laughs> Nirvana. Well, you just, come on. Oh, come, come on. Anyways, it's fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. Mike, as a Seattle native, I'm, gu- I'm guessing you're a native. You, you yeah. got to get this one. Here, here we, we go. go. Ready? Uh-huh. Um, we're going to go right here
1: okay
2: so easy so easy yeah either foo fighters or nirvana it's neither ooh oh. um not aerosmith gosh
1: I think he's messing with us. He knows what it is. <laughs> no, honestly,
2: I'm really bad. So with music and movie stars, I'm really bad. Like I can memorize biochemistry and tell you about alpha-linoleic acid or whatever, but when it comes to, it comes to music, man, I'm not I'm not really good. Who, it's oh, Pearl Jam. It's Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, okay. And the song is Alive. Alive. Yes, nice. yes. That's terrible. I flunked. I'm no, 0 buddy, for 2 on that one. You you're, you're,
0: you're winning in life, brother. And especially when it comes to dropping knowledge, man. You got, you got that in spades. But, dude, thank you for being a trooper and playing Name That Tune with
2: us. <laughs> That was fun. Yeah, good for <laughs> was, you, man. That was awesome.
1: Metabolic Mike on the I Needed That podcast today. I'll invite everybody to follow him on his Instagram page. This guy is a must-follow. I, I know that on our live today we were talking about people to unfollow, but I'm going to say go ahead and add this one because of the wealth of information. But, Mike, I'm going to be honest. I think you're following far too many people. This <laughs> <laughs> is true. You're on the death scroll, man. You get lost. You're not even seeing anybody you know anymore. We were just talking about that earlier. Oh man, but
0: it's it's hard because like, I know Mike does a ton of podcasts and so I'm sure he runs into a lot of people and everyone's like, follow me, follow me, follow me. So it happens. That's a good, that's a good problem to have, buddy. It is (laughs) true. True.
1: Mike, thank you so much for your time today. We're going to kick you uh, from the podcast and then we'll follow up with you on the release date for this whole thing. And we just cannot thank you enough for being on the show today.
2: Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right, Thank man. you, brother. Have Take care. You later. Bye-bye. We'll see you guys you too.
1: next time. Perfect, man. Dude, I learned so many right? things today. I'm
0: telling you, you just gotta hang on because he can he spits the spits the information, man.
1: I gotta get rid of the canola oil, but my, here's my question what the hell am I gonna use to make my
0: popcorn? Dude, coconut oil. Ah. So no, 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 no. Here's the thing you don't have to use a ton. Just get a I have a coconut oil spray in my pantry that I got at Walmart. Walmart. And a little sprinkle of sea salt, just sea salt. It's the best thing you've ever had. I'm okay. not kidding okay. you. All right. Trust me. And you know how picky I am about flavor. It is pop, just plain popcorn. Spritz of coconut oil, sprinkle sea salt. That's all you need.
1: You know when you pop, pop popcorn, it. you can put sugar in there too, and it'll taste like kettle corn. <laughs> oh.
0: yeah, go for it, dude. Well, I'm not saying I'm all the above. As long as it's coconut oil. What was your big takeaway? Um sunbathing sun <laughs> sun my balls, balls. <laughs> yes why not no you know it was it was nice because i not to say i mean he's he's far more knowledgeable on the details than i am i knew a lot of that stuff on from a from a fifty thousand foot perspective if that makes sense yes. it was it was just fun to listen to him go down into the nitty-gritty of it and then pull himself back up and then get that right back down into it so great stuff all around. I'm I'm really glad that and also you know I'm it was it was fun listening to his journey through veganism, yes, into the paleo diet, into carnivore. And I think a big takeaway there's like there is there is no one size fits all. Yeah. There's a lot of people who follow a vegan diet and they thrive on it. Other people follow a, a carnivore diet. They they thrive on it. He said omnivore so many times and that's what humans are. We're omnivores. And so you might have some folks on the spectrum seem to do extremely well when they're like hardcore over here extremely well when they're hardcore on the other end yeah and then everyone else kind of falls in the middle so it's like you kind of you have to find out where you fall on that spectrum
1: yeah i'm so like i'm so intrigued by you know the vegan thing and the plant-based diet and the vegetarian thing and <clears throat> but i just at the end of the day it doesn't feel like the right thing for me and i think i'm still figuring that part out but i'm mega interested
0: in this small intestine issue that he was talking about. I think you, especially because with, with all of your, the gastric distress and everything, especially from eating grains and potatoes together. I mean, that, that's your body's telling you something and it's good that you're listening to it. So I think he brought up some really good points. Try fermenting your potatoes. Try try, it. My try just eating more kimchi. See what that does for you. I mean, okay. I know he was talking about a lot of bacteria, like good bacteria in your gut. Maybe there's some bad bacteria as well. There's always some bad bacteria in there as well. Yeah. So you just want more good than bad. All so right. I say, man, start start consuming more of those fermented products, see where it takes you, then start uh, f- fermenting your own foods. Alright,
1: guys, listen, yeah. thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. We encourage everybody to leave us a little five-star review and or a review, I guess it's such a weird thing to say. Leave us five stars and a review if you can. I mean, if you appreciate the show, if you don't, then,
0: you know. We appreciate you. Sorry, sorry. Try it. Yeah, I if you don't appreciate the show Don't leave a review Yeah But it's really <laughs> so,
1: honestly It's like You, you want to help us out You want to help Keep this podcast going That's one of the easiest And free ways That you can do that for us Okay Yes Much appreciated Alright guys Enjoy the rest of your day You too man Yeah you Go too kimchi. buddy yeah. to Be honest with you You're going you're to start Peeing on your face Aren't you I'm not against
0: it Believe yeah. it or not I, I, How about you? Are, did you are you thinking about it
1: Your son right now Is looking at me Awfully weird But yeah We're going to encourage Everybody we know To start peeing in their hands and wiping it on their face.
0: Well, he said, you know, about the skin around your eyes. And if you see the skin around my eyes, man, there's a lot of wrinkles. You could use some urine. I could I could absolutely, look at this. Oh my gosh, I could absolutely use some. Not against wow. it. I love it.
1: Have a great <laughs> day, everybody. We'll see you next time on the I Needed That Podcast. Bye.